0: Hello and welcome back to the Raw Rugby Podcast. Super Rugby is also back and as is Mr. Matt Tamua. Hello, Matt. How are you?
1: Hey, Christy. Welcome to you. Oh, it's good to be back, mate. I've, uh, I've picked up a mic for round two. I got a bit of feedback from the wife saying it sounded a bit echoey and I was sniffling and so expect a much more polished performance this time
0: second week you're
1: always trying to iron out those little kinks
0: to begin with it's it was a it was a big weekend wasn't it it kind of hits you for six where all of a sudden when it all comes back and you get six games Three on, on both two nights? Yeah, it was
1: great to get three on the Friday as well. Um, and Jesus started, went dipping our toe into it. The Chiefs Crusaders didn't look like they had uh, missed a beat. That kind of first game back, you're, you're expecting the rustiness, which we might saw about other games, but the Chiefs Crusaders really was a, was an epic contest. Great to watch.
0: All right, so we're going to talk a bit about Super Rugby. We are also going to be welcoming... Uh, Laurie Fisher, a man very familiar with, not only with Matt Tumor but also with Australian rugby audiences. Uh, he's actually just been in Japan and I think he's still there when we're going to be speaking to him. So we'll touch on Six Nations and Rugby Sevens. The Vancouver Sevens wrapped up over the weekend and Michael Hooper will be making his debut, it looks like, at next week in Los Angeles. So lots to talk about here on the Raw Rugby Podcast. You touched upon it. The Chiefs and Crusaders did welcome back Super Rugby to 2024. What a game. How good was it? Hamilton, afternoon. It looked like afternoon rugby from an Australian perspective, but it was early evening in in Hamilton. What a cracking game. The Chiefs hanging on 33-29.
1: Yeah, it was. Uh, the, yeah, good crowd to start the year. I think, um, yeah, it's nice to get back into it. And, and the tries to start the game were brilliant and, I said it on Twitter or X or whatever you call it these days. The um, the kicking rule that the the law variation that we've implemented, um, teams can't advance until they've been put on side. You saw that from the second try. Damien McKenzie um, had a unstructured field to attack, broken play, and it was brilliant. So it's nice to see that working. Um, I think it was a good little good little implementation of an old law. I think it is anyway uh, from 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 Super Rugby.
0: What do you think of DMAC? Matty, because he's a guy that has obviously played a lot of 10 for the Chiefs, but he's yeah. not quite he, – it may be similar to you, whether or not you were 10 or 12. There's been debate whether or not Mac is a 10, or 15, a utility player. Where do you see his best role at? Because he he was quality and he was the difference. The Chiefs were harming when he was there at 10 and mm. he went off and then they kind of struggled a little bit and the Crusaders came back.
1: Yeah, I think, oh, I think at a, a super rugby level, um, he's a – an amazing ten. The more you can get him the ball, um, and and you see how the Chiefs like to attack. They put him in the backfield anyway, so he gets those broken field play uh, options, which you kind of want from a fifteen, or which is what you get from your fifteen. So I think they've got a nice little balance there. The the question is at, at, at test level, um, you know, do you go for someone like him or do you you know you go with someone like uh, Moanga who's a bit more you know structured, plays the percentages. So it's a it's a really tough one because I think he'd be he's awesome coming on the last thirty against you know a tired defence, but at the same time you just want him touching the ball. But it, it's nice seeing his game grow a bit because I, I definitely thought he was more of fifteen, um, but he can you can see him now he he, he can control the game from ten very well. Mackenzie.
0: In that first half was just awesome, I thought, because he took the board of the line. He got hammered mm. once or twice when he's distributing. When, when you're out there and you're getting wallets by a big Ford or whoever it is, it might be a Hunter Pice Army in the midfield. How do you get up from that and then have to go again? And then,
1: like, do you what, what's it like? I know you get conditioned to it. I think early in your career, it might rattle you a little bit, but as you get on, you, you just kind of get used to it, to be honest with you. And you know, for me, for me, I would always like to go after their 10 or get someone to go after their 10 because you want them to start playing deeper, deeper, deeper and then you can see what what eventuates and becomes easy to defend. But um, So it would almost be like a, a game of chicken. If so if I got a few late shots, I would almost take it as respect. I'd be like, they're trying to get me to play deeper. I'll, I'll do the opposite or whatnot. So it, it is a little interesting kind of mind game. Um, but you see the good ones. Like if you're not getting hit late, then you're probably not playing to the line enough. Johnny Sexton, probably the perfect example Loves going to the line, playing those late balls. Gets walloped you know, consistently. But he does his job, and it, it's kind of it's kind of a part of the parcel. So it's uh, it's a fun bits of playing fly half, but yeah, it, it's definitely uh, yeah good part of the game
0: yeah he's a perfect example johnny sexton geez at 37 38 finishing up uh he's a guy that will be missed by world rugby but the irish to be fair uh, handling it pretty pretty well in the
1: in the yeah. post johnny sexton era. isn't he the so, 10 the the new 10 the young fella's been really good too he's set up quite a few tries so um it just shows though like you talk about you know next man up um you talk about all the good Sporting teams, you know, in Australia, your Swans, your Melbourne Storm, the All Blacks um, and Island Rugby. As soon as one guy's out, they just someone comes in and they fit into the structure and it, it works well. So they've got something good going on there.
0: It's actually not a bad little segue talking about the 10s because the, the next game that followed, an Aussie derby between the Brumbies and Rebels, your former side, will speak a bit more about the Brumbies with laurie fisher but the tens battle itself was a fascinating one and it kind of almost it was synonymous with how the name kind of game almost planned out played out noah loliceo managed mm. to run the board of the line he found some space mm. at times he was really polished in his performance carter gordon struggled mm. and off the back of your comments last week with mm. would those scars kind of remain we almost saw a little bit that come to fruition with Carter missing a uh, touch from a penalty hit the posts as well. And it was a cracking game at points in time, but we sure that we saw the Brumbies just class just come out.
1: Yeah. I think I was one from six in my tips, but one thing I did predict was, um was the tens battle Um, in terms of, yeah, as I said, I wasn't sure who benefits from last year because I, as I said, I think Noah went away and I think he got away from what was going on and, Kind of there was maybe within the first 10 minutes uh, around the middle part of the field, Noah gets it at first receiver, just has a little dink off his right foot, goes to the line. And that was really good to see. I was was like, all right, he's taking it on. He's being aggressive. He's, He's getting physical. I think if there were any criticisms of him in the more recent time, it's that he hasn't been physical enough. And it was really nice to see him confident going to the line. And then you saw he set up. I think it was a second try down the down the blind side off a of rolling in more, just going to the line, you know, getting physical, getting stuck in. I thought that was really good. Carter probably, you know, not not, not the game, and from the Rebels in general, wasn't wasn't uh, probably the round that they were hoping for, the game that they were hoping for. Just way too many mistakes. Interesting one. It is only round one. Uh, pl- plenty of footy to be played, so I'm sure they'll uh, be attending to it.
0: You're not wrong. Only round one, albeit it comes quickly because super round is going to be in melbourne and there was only about 4000 there for that first match and we can kind of understand because tickets came on sale really late but you would have hoped in the same way that when the western force were were in trouble uh, in 2017 we saw twiggy forest come out and it, it almost was the springboard for a renaissance with the, with mm. the, with the force we didn't say that with the necessarily with the Rebels and it, it's a very different situation, uh, one that's mm. financially driven. But you do hope that that more fans manage to turn up for Super Round ne- next week. The Brumbies and the and the Rebels, uh, I, I I really like the fact that Luke Reimer, these sorts of guys, Charlie mm. Kale, the, the back row balance of it, they they dominated the set piece, uh, particularly the line out, all those little, sorts of little things that. That is the hallmark of what successful sides are. Nick Frost uh, did a great job there, disrupting line outpour. You know, that allowed Noel Olesio to kind of do what he did, didn't it?
1: Yeah. Look, You look at the Rebels. The Rebels have got so much uncoachable talent, the offload, the flair. They've got some amazing individuals, but they were... Pretty poor on the basics. So, playing in the wrong parts of the field, um, offloads that didn't stick. You look at their mm-hmm. entries into the 22, missed a kick for touch. I think at three lineouts on the five meter, turned over, scrum penalty, disallowed try, uh, kick at the post. Like, you know, your, your entries into your 22, you want to be converting about 40% plus of that. And I think it was 0% for the Rebels. So, just just scratchy, I guess, the first first week, and then you look at the Brumbies, you know, turnover ball, two tries, um, I think two tries off kicks, so they they were just a lot more polished and a lot a lot better in the basics of the game, which I think at the start of the year has to be where you're at because it yeah it it just seemed too easy for the Brumbies to be honest with you. I didn't think, I think they were happy particularly with the first 50, but they didn't have to play amazingly well. No, you you're completely right. when you know, we
0: saw guys like Lanikatoa, Tom Wright, those that had missed out on on the World Cup selection. Those sorts of guys, I wouldn't say that they were perfect in their performance, but they were they were pretty good. And you know, matched up, they actually looked pretty even. I know that you, you you're one mm-hmm. from six in your, your super tips. So i six from six. So I'll, I'll throw that one out there. But <laughs> but but man for man, the Rebels should have probably been better. Was a bit of the baggage hanging over them? Do you think from from yeah. you know, the
1: off-field situation? Yeah, it's a good question. I. <laughs> I almost don't want to attend to it because then you can kind of use it as an excuse every week. Oh, you know, like, so I prefer to probably mm-hmm. just look at the specifics of the game and, and what, where they struggled. And for me, it was just the kind of the looseness of, of the offloads or, or turnovers in the wrong parts of the field. And then yeah, line out in, you know, attacking line out opportunities there, as I said, they've got, they've got a lot of x factor in that team uh, you know carter you know lucan played well Downgunu as well you've got a lot of guys in there who can kind of turn the game but you kind of need to build that base um, build that like solid foundation first and play in the right parts of the field and not waste half line break like a line break around the middle of the field is yeah great but you usually get tackled you know another 10 meters or whatever and you got to play risk reward mm-hmm. a little bit Um, Mm. and so I felt there was kind of no real risk reward it was all just risk now how much the off-field stuff has in that look I'm super conscious of that and very kind of empathetic to what's going on Um, I just I also don't really want to talk about it too much because then it becomes the excuse every week. To be
0: fair Aussie rugby's made a lot of excuses over the years haven't they? Uh, (laughs) Corey Tool. Two tries, he was awesome. Rapid, you know, mm. just as someone like him and his skill set, his elusiveness, his absolute extreme pace. If you're trying to impress like a Joe Schmidt or you, you know, someone early on, he he did a pretty good job of it.
1: Yeah, two tries in round one went hurt, little chip and chase, and uh, he's. I think he's um he's got some genuine gas, genuine speed, uh, which is awesome for us. Yeah, you probably yeah wingers wingers kind of. Used to be the really quick guys. Then it kind of got you got you know a bit of the bigger guys who would use first phase, and then other teams now even will just play like three fifteens almost. So you don't have that kind of genuine pace, but you've got playmaker and whatnot. It's it's kind of cool seeing someone who's just got genuine X factor pace. You know, mm-hmm. you know, turnover if you sling it to him, he's probably going to beat someone one on one. And he he beat Lockie Anderson on that on that left edge in that first half. Little chip and chase, and it was. Yeah, you can't you can't defend that. Like I don't care what system you got, you just can't defend that. So it's um I think that's really cool for us because it's uh, it's different to probably every other winger in in our um competition at the moment. South Africa has done a great job by having that
0: great blend, haven't they, between having the really big physical presence, you know, your Damien is even in the midfield, but then just having your pocket rockets out wide. Like I don't know how big Kurtley Aronster is, but he and Cheslin Colby, like they're pretty small guys that the Springboks yeah. have on on the two wings. Could could you ever see a Corey Tool playing for the Wallabies and and offering that different dimension to an attack?
1: Yeah, I could for sure. I think, um, and I don't think that's a big statement really. Like he, his performance has showed that. I, I dare say he wouldn't have been too far away from it last year anyway. Yeah, this the Springboks are uh, like you know. They're, they're an interesting one because they're so structured in how they pick their team, how they play, that each player you can pick, you know, based on their attributes. You know they're going to have really quick wingers. You know they're going to have some massive number six, you know, direct runners. They're not usually massive on the uh, on the pilfer game, but your seven's there you, and you got your, your nine and ten have to kick, well, your 12, your 13 are, you know, almost like back rolls as well. So, they, yeah, they just keep churning that out and they have this system that's obviously very successful um, and one of those is is genuine gas on the wing and, yeah, it's nice for us to kind of have that in our pocket as well now.
0: Well, we'll see how the the Melbourne Rebels manage to bounce back this weekend. They're up against the Western Force. That'll be a big game for both their seasons in the context. Uh, we know that the, the the Force struggled against the Hurricanes first up, uh, a 44-14 defeat, set-piece issues. But for a, a Rebels side that uh, desperately needs to turn a new page, uh, it's a it's a must-win game for them early in the season, I think.
1: Yeah, and look, I think you'll get a, a good reaction. Um, I think there was, you know, there's a lot built up on round one and, um, yeah, didn't get the performance that they were hoping for. So I think that this week against the Force, um, a definitely a winnable game at home, super round. Like There'll be a lot to play for. Um for me, just once again, making sure that emotion doesn't kind of override um, smart play. So let's, you know, as much as we want to play and win the game from your own half, just build that foundation early, get set-piece dominance. I'd be looking at that scr- the scrum on the weekend against the Hurricanes where they just, you know, they got demolished. So I think um, I wouldn't be surprised if Taniella's starting, get a few scrum penalties early, get to that line and, and just build the game from there.
0: And it's a very warm welcome to Lord Laurie Fisher. Laurie, we finally got you here because for those that wouldn't be seeing the bloopers, we probably would have had a pretty good one there. It took a little while for you to join us, Laurie, but so good to have you here on the pod. Uh, Brand new Super Rugby season up and running. You know Matt Tamour very well. Off the top, Laurie, what's a story for Matt Tamour? What's something that the punters
2: out there might want to hear? Well, like I think he's known as Mister Squeaky Clean, mate. So there's, yeah, there's not Couple a lot there. Out, I don't think. But uh, I, I do. I, I remember back in the early days when, um, when we first met Matt and his mum and dad. And I think we had uh, who else's mum and dad came down pub? Um, pub? Aiden might have been Aiden. Who Maybe Aiden yeah, Tour. yeah, it, yeah. Was a, it was a. A real family affair, wasn't it? Oh, yep. Lovely people. Uh, it was just just finished school. Were you 18 then? 17, 18? Yeah,
1: yeah. 16, 17. Pretty young 16, at that 17.
2: point. I've gone to watching the that. championships. Queensland 2 won the, uh, won the school God. boys championships. That Your memory's year. very good, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Showed Quaid Cooper up and uh, all <laughs> that. So I don't think you've changed much. You're a good player back then, mate. And uh, you've had a great career. So I, don't, I I got no dirt, Christy. If I did, I wouldn't have you. Were,
0: <laughs> it's fa- it's it's fascinating, Laurie, that you brought up that story. Just because for the ten minutes that it took for you to log on to the podcast, Matt was telling me the first time that he and his parents met you, and he also brought up that story.
2: Yeah, yeah
1: I was um, saying, um, I was saying, Laurie. Obviously, that time we met, um, everyone's on their best behaviour, um, you know. And then Mum and Dad came down later in the season and watched a session down at Griffith Oval. And um, you know, you're barking away at at, at asket and whatever. And m- mum comes up to me later, and she goes, oh, "Geez, Laurie's a bit loose with his language, isn't he?" A little, <laughs> you know. M- mum, the good old Christian lady. Oh, she yeah, was a bit shocked. Yeah. I was like, "It's a bit different than um, but not exactly our best behaviour there." Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs>
0: <laughs> uh, hey, Laurie, um, you're up in Japan, and so you, you probably hey. could have been re- recording this podcast in Matt's room or, you know, <laughs> a bullet train or two away. Uh, tell us, what, do you, what have you been doing in Japan? i
2: well, have just uh, over at Rico Black Rams with Petty Hewitt, so I've just spent two weeks here just, again, looking at their program, trying to help them out around aspects of the game. And there's obviously only so much you can do for the current season because they've got all their plans in place but then it's really looking at where potentially they could make shifts uh into the next season and uh yeah they've got their you know they've obviously got ambitions to work their way up up the ladder and they, they probably don't have the spend that maybe the top four or five clubs do so you've just got to make sure that your program your uh your coaching uh, and all the things that get the best out of individuals is is in place so just trying to 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 value in those areas
1: lordy something i've been um thinking about a bit uh when, when uh when you were coming on the pod is is feedback um from coach to player and player to player probably something that i've noticed in my career early days feedback was quite you know direct quite um instant you know and you you knew and Maybe later on in my career, and I don't know if it's a case of, uh, you know, just because I'm in a different environment, but I've noticed it's not as direct from player to player, from coach to player. I don't know how you view that. I know, you know, for me, it's probably one thing I've always appreciated about your coaching is you you knew where you stood. As a coach, what, what are you, you know, have you noticed that? And then is there an element of not, deflating the player is what's kind of going on in
2: your well, mind. I think, you can, I think you can be honest with every player, but you can't be direct with every player, mm. and I, I think there's a, there's a, a significant difference between the two. And you know, we, we all know that, 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 that you can't treat everybody exactly the same. So it's important to give good information. And I, I, I do think what's changed is, is the, is the awareness of creating a much more efficient and effective learning environment and uh it, it's a bit like the old saying that if you know for, for teachers if they haven't learnt, then you haven't taught well if players haven't you know learned then you haven't coached and I, and I i really think the you know the teaching learning environment and, and how that works has has developed and changed over time so if i was teaching at a school like like you, you're not going to get the best out of students just by front and center you, you've got to find different ways and and coaching's no different. Probably, probably early on, I, I would have learned the lessons of sometimes not being honest enough, sometimes being too honest. Mm. Uh, so it really comes down to, to knowing your individual athlete and establishing a relationship. And, and again, I think you hear a lot of talk about relationships and, and that being one of the most important parts of coaching. And that's true. If you have a relationship, then you can share information. You can you can be comfortable being honest. And then you can make progress.
1: Yeah, it's an interesting one. One thing as well is how do do you find, obviously you want to cater to the masses and you want to be uh, as, um, you know, like you look at your players and if they can take direct feedback or not, but then you also want to create a program that maybe has that robust feed. Like at what point are you kind of, you know, setting up an environment that allows for that, but then also maybe being a bit pragmatic and realizing that um, a lot of these players don't like that direct thing. I'm not going to get the most out of them. At what point? How do you yeah. kind of manage it to where you want to go and where it is? And
2: yeah, I, I think there's two, there's sort of two aspects to that, like, in a lot of my coaching, I, tr- I try and I try and think about the game in in ways that, that that if if is it. I mean, I know the game's not black and white, particularly in. In the attack component But in, in a lot of the other parts of the game you, you, You've got to be able to set it up So so you can judge people There's a way of doing it There's a good way and a less good way So there's, there's some real accountability And I, and I think if, if I'm clear with players About techniques that I want About decisions that I want made In certain situations Then there becomes at least a reasonable element Of black and white You either mm-hmm. did it or you didn't do it You did yeah. it well or you didn't do it well and I think if, you've got, if you can have a, a significant part of your coaching on that side and then on the other side, it's, well, here's the picture and there's no right and wrong decision. Just make a decision and, and run with it and everybody else should support you. So on the black and white side of coaching, I can be really direct in my feedback and mm. say this is what we practice, this is what we do Monday to Friday, mm. And, this is, and, and, and we've all bought in the saying, if we do this right, we'll get a result on Saturday. So yeah. I, can, I can be really direct in that feedback. And then in the feedback about where, where we're making decisions, when you've got options about backing your judgment, backing your skill, then I'm just seek, seeking feedback from you as a player about what you saw and why yeah. you made that decision without trying to be judgmental about what you did and, and, and maybe discussing things we could do different next time. Mm. So there's sort of two compartments to it. I have a sort of a, a black and white compartment that I expect that, that, that there's there's rules that we've set, and and that you've got to, and you've got to abide by those because I think if we abide by those rules, we'll, we'll get it, we'll get a result. Mm. And there's the there's you as a player seeing what seeing seeing what you see, making decisions, understanding our framework, and backing your instincts as a as a footballer uh, with within the the uh, ambitions and structures that we have as a team.
1: Mm. It's it's an interesting one as well because I, I find um I find that how it's modeled from coach to player also gets represented player to player. So you know in the good environments I've been in where you're getting you're getting feedback and yeah it, it, it then almost allows you to hold players accountable on the field and 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 discussing whereas maybe other other environments where that culture isn't encouraged as much to kind of, you know, say, oh, look, I need this from you or you need this from me or whatever, then it becomes less. Yeah. I find the coach, uh, the player to player feedback a lot less as well. I don't know if that's what yeah. you're trying to um, look and I think encourage. you're right.
2: And, and, and it, it's really, I hesitate to say the most important, but, but in the end, things have got to be driven. The best programs are, are those things are driven by the players and, and, and they're set up well by the coaches uh, look, I'd, I'd, again, I'd spend a lot of time in my area, making sure that 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 I I showed enough vision about what good looks like, and comparing that with what good, you know, what not good looks like, so that again players have got a clear understanding of, of what good looks like, what good feels like, so that they then they then can with confidence uh, help somebody, chip somebody, encourage somebody, whether it's a training or in a game, because they know what good looks like. If you don't. And if there's uncertainty, I really believe there's a, there's so many areas of the game that you can create certainty, mm. which then makes uh, if you if you've got less parts of the game where you've got uncertainty, then it's you, you get a better balance. So we try to minimise, take some decision making out of areas of the game, make some black and whites, and then you've got less things to make more decisions about. I, I think that helps players. So. I, there's a strong education component, and if you're not sure yourself, then you're not going to chip somebody else. Yeah. But if you're if you're satisfied that you're doing what's required and you're doing it well, then then you need to be dragging the rest of the team with you.
0: Laurie, I can see why you were a, a guest at the the Naji Coaching Forum not that long ago because uh, all the wisdom that you're imparting now. You're you're in Japan. Um, and uh, the Black Rams just came up against Kobe on, on the weekend. Tell me, did you catch up with with Dave Rennie? I imagine that you would have had an interesting conversation or two. And uh, what's, it, what's it like and what's his environment like? And are you disappointed that that environment wasn't allowed to kind of thrive into 2023?
2: Uh, yeah, look, I had a good chat with Dave yesterday. It was great to catch up. He's really enjoying... Uh, his time over here it's sort of a fresh start isn't it and the uh, and new environment and it's got plenty of challenges as yeah. as 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 pup knows with with language and styles but he, he's enjoying himself we we really spoke about the future as opposed to the past um yeah that that's happened and really no there was no point in, d- in dwelling on that but I, I did feel in my small time at the back end of 2022 i've, I've I felt there were genuine areas of progress and i feel as though that we identified them through the northern hemisphere tour and we're in a good position to uh progress our game in 2023 how far that was going to be who knows but i i i, I definitely felt that we we had identified some really really key areas yeah around around uh, ball retention or around ruck speed around what we do in defense that i think would have really put us in in a good stead for World Cup. But yeah, so that was disappointing. But in the end you, you move on and, and you attack what's in front of you and you you leave what's behind you. And uh, when you've coached for a long time as, as Dave has, like he's he he's got a way that he sees the game and whether it's the Chiefs or whether it's the wallabies or whether it's Kobe that that he's trying to get them to play a style of football that he's that he's comfortable with and he knows works. And you can see a lot of that in, in Kobe in their in their counter attack game. Uh, in in their kicking game, you can see that New Zealand influence around breakdown. So um, yeah, it's I mean he's he's moved on and and, and uh, reinvigorated his coaching. Uh,
0: another program that obviously you spent so so long out the Brumbies. I'm curious. The Brumbies have made another positive start to this season. You're no longer there, but you I don't know maybe you're dropping in here or there. I think you're doing that at various programs across Australia at the moment, but you know, the Brumbies, and, and Matt, I'm sure you'd be able to answer and have your own two cents on this. Brumbies have been so consistent for so long but haven't been able to get across the line and, and, and get, you know, big silverware, uh, make finals often. Um, why do you think that is, Laurie? What do you think, like, what's the missing couple of percent that sees a good side become a great side?
2: Look, yeah, I, I, if, I, if I knew the answer to that, we'd have won the last two Super Rugby titles, mate, but we haven't, so... Uh, but, but, but we're knocking on the door. We, we're not, we knock on the door because we're consistent. Where over the last period of six or seven years, we, we've we've had, had a style of game that we've we've continually tried to expand upon. And, and and you know, Stephen's got some some ideas, which which will take the team forward. You know, whether it's in counter attack, whether it's in uh, in in first phase play, or, or that. So yeah, I, I do I think the team's evolving. What I saw on the weekend was. Again, some set piece proficiency, really well organised early season. Attention to detail around breakdown. I know we got beaten at the punch on a couple, but but I, you could just see the cohesion in the team built from a, a lot of guys playing a reasonable amount of football together over a reasonable period of time, and not chopping and changing. I you know what what's the flavour this year? Or we need to do that. We're Just chipping away at being better. So I don't I don't think there's a quantum shift in anything that will take us from where we are to winning it. Uh, sometimes you need a little bit of luck. I do think we need, you know, we've been chasing a little bit more adventure with the ball. Is, is that a little bit more offload, a little bit more adventure encounter, uh, a little bit more in our attacking, kicking game? I'm, I'm, I'm a little bit, maybe a little bit harder on opposition ball on the ground, make them work a little bit harder for their possession. So there's there's bits and pieces, but there's no one thing that'll, that'll um take us from where we are to to bring champions in twenty twenty four or beyond.
1: Yeah, I, I always found Laurie with um with the Brumbies and probably noticed that when I left, um, that we used to do the the good, the hard stuff really well, our breakdown, our work rate, our physicality. And we maybe lacked where we lacked, um, was probably that kind of individual brilliance. Um I don't know if that's a case of signing or or whatnot but we were always going to be you know top four top six because the base of our game the strength of our game was always so solid and then probably something I took for granted going to other other teams where we probably try to skip those levels and just kind of yeah. go and, and I thought the weekend the Rebels game was probably a really good example of that the Rebels you know lots of unforced errors um, around yeah. the middle of the park and I think yeah. that's something that the Brumbies have done really well um, but yeah maybe that I don't know if it's if it's personnel, but getting a little bit of gloss on that, um, yeah. I don't know. have always yeah, a little pondered. bit of
2: gloss, or just a little bit of freedom to play. And and look, yeah. Corey Tools obviously uh, he's he's going to value add to that. You probably want to you you want Noah to, to play with a, a, a fair amount of freedom. You want a mm. bloke like Tommy Wright again, and, and you know w- with the freedom to play and to use your skill, there comes mistakes, and you know, you've only got to read any social media and you make a couple of mistakes and, mm. and the world hates you but 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 giving people the freedom to make a mistake or two in pursuit of, of trying to be a little bit more adventurous and courageous in the attacking game. I mean that's mm. that takes courage from the coach, takes courage from the players and and, and I, I think we're down I think they're certainly heading down that track now. Now if I if I look at Tommy Wright's game who, who's copped a lot of criticism over the last twelve months the amount of last passes he threw Tries last year was absolutely phenomenal, mm. um, and, and people get hung up on a mistake here and there. And, and 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 again, it's you know we two glass half empty. We need to be more glass half full uh, mm. in in the way that we look at rugby. Uh, I, I look at the Rebels on Friday night, pup. Like sixteen A's own entries for a penalty goal like that is mm. that is criminal, absolutely criminal. And and. The thing that that then, like if, if Brumbies give up sixteen A zone entries against the chiefs or the Crusaders, or the hurricanes, they're not winning thirty to three, I guarantee you. So there's yeah. things in the Brumbies game that they need to tighten up, and some of that's around discipline. but but uh, yeah you you'd be wanting maybe nine or ten A zone entries for an opposition as a max. So they've got things to th- to fix up, but I just didn't see enough discipline and cohesion in in the rebels game to say that it was any better. Or any different to twenty twenty two or before.
1: I'm glad I'm glad you mentioned that actually because I said it to Christy before, so it shows that you're uh, you're you've rubbed off on me at some point. One thing I did want to ask you about is obviously you've been around for quite a while, and um, one thing I've noticed with players, um, maybe the younger younger players, is that that proactiveness or leadership, encouraging that um how do you encourage that in an environment where like and i, I was i was one of them where at 16 you're you you're in a program and, and and everything's dictated you know you, you know what you're eating sleeping and, and that how do you encourage um i don't know if it's leadership i don't know if it's um yeah, proactive or an, an element of care but I definitely found later in my career, guys were very much, you know, what they were told to do, they did. Um, and then when we had COVID happen, and we had to kind of fight for our contracts a little bit, and there was a lot of negotiation with RA, and guys seemed there was there wasn't much. Um, it was they were kind of looking to, you know, who, who's got to tell us what to do. I don't know if you've noticed mm-hmm. that, and I don't know how you may, you know, encourage players to kind of step outside or or, or, or not just follow the script.
2: Yeah, I mean, what I what I encourage players to do is to earn the respect of their teammates, and 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 if you earn the respect of your teammates, then they they listen to you. You don't need to over talk, but and a, like, how do you earn the respect of your teammates by fronting up each day, by by training well, uh, by by doing all those things that, that help you as a player, help the team, and I think if if you if any individual player, whether you're eighteen or or, or thirty eight. If you apply yourself to to, to doing the things that earn respect within the team, then the team will respect you. They will listen to you because they they know that, that that where your where your care factor is, and the fact that you've done, you've done the work and and it's it's it, it it then it's not an age. It's not driven by age. It's driven by 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 levels of commitment uh, to the cause of the team and. I, I think traditionally, traditionally age, uh, leadership is experience. Leadership is, I've been here for a few years. Uh, but I, I think that no longer, to me, that no longer uh, stands to, him. particularly leadership maybe in a particular area of the game. Um, mm-hmm. You know, like I, I, I know I look at the Brumbies, someone like Luke Reamer, who, who's been there a couple of years now, like, like he should be, he, he can take leadership in the, in that tackle contest part of the game. He could be, he could be talking, you know, in a break in play about what we need to do and, or, or what we need to do differently. So, um, so it's, it's, it, it's not a, it's not an age or experience. It, it comes from application and from earning respect, uh, in my opinion.
0: I'll tell you what, Laurie, Luke Reimer, his, his work over the ball, that would have impressed you over the weekend.
2: Yeah, like it, I was really impressed because he's done it at the front end of a game which which we all knew he would but it really good and, and whatever it was 16 tackles uh, so he he gets to a, a strong work rate and I know some of the numbers that we that we get you know say between him and, and Rory Scott for an open side flanker like uh, over the course of 80 minutes uh, in terms of tackles carries, affecting opposition bore phenomenal output from from those two guys and Jerome Brown's the same. So I was really really impressed with him. He's, every year he's, he's toughened up a little bit more. He's really mature now. like he's an adult now. he, he, he wasn't three years ago. Uh, so he'll, he's, he's well on the way to forging a, a really solid career. People will be asking the question, "What else are you doing
0: this year, Laurie? Like you're with the Junior Wallabies? I know that Joe Schmidt's on the hunt for a couple of assistants himself. Perhaps we'll find you and your bucket hat there. Um, what would you like to do over the next 12, 24 months in your career? Like having stepped away from the Brumbies full time?
2: Yeah, well, I mean, when I when I initially stepped away, so it was is it to make sure that I that I gave back to the game that's given me a lot over a period of time, and and so if if you step away a little bit from the elite level, and we've spoken a lot about about our, our developmental levels, our 18s, our twenties, and making sure that we're broadening, not only broadening the base, but we're but we're we're broadening the quality as well. And I and I think that's a that's a huge area of growth uh, to sustain and improve our top end is what we're developing. So. Uh, so to make sure that I'm, I'm invo- involved in, in helping the next generation of, of professional players uh, perhaps come through at a higher standard and then also to, to do as much as I can out there helping coaches. So uh, so whatever coaching courses are on, um, helping out, you know, back down, helping out my local club, the Owls, and, and not, more so about coaching the coaches rather than the players. So just trying to get back to the game uh over the next few years and and in between you know a few trips down the coast a couple of schooners a bit of fishing and uh and some family time as well and a shopping <coughs> pub sorry yeah thank you at, at two yeah, before ten two right before yeah. 10. Yeah, yeah thanks mate cheers
0: <laughs> i think we're gonna to have to get some sponsorship dollars coming in from there soon, soon enough Maddie. um laurie <laughs> always good to join have you join the, the podcast fly home safely what times you fly back to
2: Japan uh, back to Australia 10 10 o'clock tonight so I'm just I'm just in at uh at Rico today we're just finishing review from yesterday and a little bit of tidy I pack my bags and uh get head into the lounge oh awesome
0: you fly home safe and make sure you have a a quiet beer or two on on the on the flight home and we'll see you again shortly thanks for coming on take care thanks a lot mate Always good to have Laurie Fisher join the Royal Rugby Podcast. A man with a hell of a lot of experience. Uh, what's what, what's your kind of other impression of Laurie Fisher, Matty
1: Yeah, it's an interesting one. When you start, you know, as a young player, you, you're scared of him really because <laughs> he's this um, really intimidating-looking guy. He's, he's very vocal, um, but it's really cool as you grow up a bit, and even even in um, that conversation there, you, you realize there's a lot, a lot to him. He, you, you know, he is. He he thinks deeply about his craft and and look he, I I haven't come across a coach who's more well respected uh, than Laurie amongst the, the players who he's coached and that's not because he's you know bones smoke up their ass it's because he's he's detailed he knows exactly what he wants and it was interesting hearing him say how he you know in a, in a game of grey he likes to find black and white and and I think that's like so valuable for players where. Your clarity is kindness, kind of thing. Uh, one of our coaches used to say, that "Clarity is kindness." So like if you can tell, if you can find black and white in certain areas of the game, that's it, all you want as a player, because then you know what's expected of you, you know where you're going to be accountable to. So, um, yeah, it's cool seeing. It's not just a flokey. You know, he works hard. Yeah, he he also used the word care,
0: and you know, in terms mm-hmm. of respect and getting respect from players, and players have got to you know uh, find respect within themselves. He's a guy that has had so much respect built off. A couple of decades and i think that he'd be perfect for the wallabies coaching setup he's the he's the first person i'm getting to join the wallabies
1: yeah i don't know about you but it was when when eddie came in and you heard that Laurie was out i personally thought that was a, a missed opportunity
0: where, where does where does Laurie like i know that everyone respects him immensely do you do you think that he would be the perfect sort of figure that joins a Joe Schmidt coaching team, and if so, what what are the, some of the characteristics that make him an ideal candidate?
2: Mm.
1: Oh, for me, uh, I, I, yes. Um, but hearing him talk there as well and coaching um, coaching the coaches, that's really interesting as well because I think that's an element our coaches' development we spoke about last week that we've lacked in Australia for a while. So having someone like Laurie in that area would be would be great. Um, with the Wallabies, yep, look he. Any co any team he's coached, it does the hard stuff well. Does that breakdown well? And you know, I, I'd love to see our Wallabies being a team that's really hard to beat. That they're just tough, and you know, at breakdown they're going to compete for everything. Um, and then we can add the gloss that we're talking about. You know, Joe Schmidt sounds like he's got a lot of systems and attack that he works really well with. But I think if you if you're not winning that physical battle, then you, you're not you're not getting any points in, in in a Test match. And I think Laurie brings that for me and. Yeah, I, yeah, I think there's no one better personally that we that we could have. Uh, but hearing that he's, you know, passionate about coaching coaches as well is awesome because I think that's kind of what we need in Australian rugby.
0: Yeah, we don't have enough mentorship, and we know that Wayne mm. Smith he gives back, Henry gives back. What do we do with our coaches? Generally speaking, I wrote a, a story about this last week. Generally, a lot of our former yeah. Wallabies coaches or experienced ones end up falling out of the system more often than not because the results haven't. On their way, and then yeah,
1: they get left out. Yeah, I I read that. Well done. <laughs> um, it it was a good article because we you kind of get this progression to the top, and then you just fall off, and then we don't hear about them, and then we go, oh, we don't have good Australian coaches or whatever. And it's like, no, we we do, but we haven't kept them in our environment or, for want of a better word, ecosystem. You know, someone like a uh, ewan McKenzie in a director of rugby role would have just been exceptional. You know, like. We've spoken about Andy Friend a lot, but we've had, you know, a lot of guys go up to Harlequins and succeed really well. It just, yeah, we, we, we need to take care of them a bit more, maybe um, stop being so impatient, to be honest. Turning our attention back
0: to Super Rugby, there were a couple of good games as well on, on Saturday. Queensland Reds, New South Wales Waratahs played. Uh, awesome to see a a derby actually kind of live up to a bit of expectation and hope because we'd seen the Chiefs Crusaders put on a show, we'd seen Moana Pacifica and the Highlanders have a great uh, match up there under the roof in Dunedin. To, to see the Reds uh, take it, play a really nice attacking brand of rugby in wet conditions, I, I was pretty impressed with with especially the Reds, uh, but I thought the Tars. They, they, they showed elements of physicality with like an Izzy mm. Parisi. Just not enough of it though.
1: Yeah, yeah. It, you're right. I think um, I'm really excited to see Hunter this year. Um, I, I don't know about you, but I was pretty, you know, pretty disappointed from him last year that he didn't get to go to the World Cup because he was someone who shone so well at the start of the four-year cycle. Um, and to not have him there was hard. But also, I also don't know what you think about uh, Lina. I thought he was pretty decent as well. yeah. Skill set, isn't it?
0: It's mm. we know we know what he's offering. I thought he was understated, which is not a bad thing at times. Being a, being a ten, if you've got a power yeah. midfielder like a Hunter Paisami, or you know, please use it. But also on on wet conditions, turn turn oppositions around and and play field
1: position. Yeah, he he has that um he has that control about him. He doesn't seem too rushed. Um, he plays probably plays a bit more of like a test match type game where he is yeah, like he, he just underplays his hand and, and then looks for opportunities late. So um, I think he'll be exciting. As I say, he's not necessarily your, your step offload kind of kind of fly off, but he's a guy who can kind of control the game really well. And I think, um, yeah, that's something that we need in the show in rugby.
0: You know, you look at Carter, the, the conversation all year, I think is going to be around the 10s because, mm. you know, 10s and 12s, to be frankly honest, of Karevi's still up in Japan. Mm. Uh, so... You know, Lala Kai we know he had a, a pretty serious injury training and fortunately it's not necessarily life-threatening or, or mm-hmm. career-ending that, but the 10-12 spots are so, so open and, and what kind of style Joe Schmidt wants, we don't really know what he wants necessarily mm. from his next 10. Where, where do you kind of see that
1: picture going forward? Yeah, I think Carter's um, playing well. Carter's got the most complete game. Um, i and watching watching the Force game, I, I actually felt that they probably have the 10-15 the wrong way around. I'd probably like to see Donaldson at 15 and Beery Bury at, at at 10. He's a lot more direct, um, squares the attack up a little bit more. And, and I think Donaldson, you know, in the first World Cup game, he scored a bucket load of points from 15. I think he, he probably suits out a little bit more. Um, yeah, it's an interesting one. Australian rugby, we've often gone 10-12 as our playmakers. Um, and then the 15's been like a you know a runner or an athlete whereas we're kind of moving towards the new zealand model now where it's 10 15 playmakers and big upright centers so it's uh yeah i don't know what you think about um yeah donaldson and bury but um yeah I, i'd like to see them probably switch that around because i think he, he lay laid the foundation quite well yeah I, I actually
0: completely agree i touched upon it in the story today and i, I think Fury, he's got that real acceleration, and you spoke about yeah. the desire to attack the line. I think he's a natural runner of the ball. We, we've yeah. seen him do chips and chase uh, last year. He played probably the last handful of games for the 4th to ten, and yeah. he just looked at home there right from the yeah. outset. So it would be an... the difficult thing there with with Ben Donaldson is that he was, you know, shuffled between ten and fifteen so much with the with the Waratahs last year. We saw it with the Wallabies too. I wonder what it would do for his confidence there, uh, knowing that his preferred positions at ten as well. So that that's another layer. The end of the day, if if they don't have a forward pack, if they don't have a tight five that can get them on the front foot, it probably doesn't really matter who's at ten, right?
1: Yeah, yeah, you saw that on the the Hurricanes just physically dominated them uh, in the contact area, their aggression, uh, scrum we spoke about earlier as well. So, yeah, the 10-15 argument might be a little bit of a moot point. Um, yeah, that being said, I, I think it would be something you'd want to make early in the season um, rather than later. Uh, but, you know, we'll, we'll see how it evolves. They'll... Um, you know, it, it, it will be an intriguing clash in it as well if we have uh, Donaldson and Carter um, this week, um, considering they were the two of our tens at the World Cup.
0: Yeah, indeed. So, super round this weekend. It, there's three, the, the Melbourne Rebels, Western Force, that's the, the one local Aussie Derby. Uh, high stakes for both games, but there's three mm. Trans-Tasman fixtures as well. You've got the Hurricanes, the Reds. You've got the Waratahs and Crusaders up against Rob Penney, a familiar face, and someone that was shown the door after about a month in, in his second season in charge of the mm. Tars. So he'll, he'll have a little bit more for this game, I imagine, but also the Brumbies and the Chiefs. Does it feel like a bit of an early litmus test around where Australian rugby's at this year, given that you know the trans-Tasman fixtures here on Australian soil?
1: Yeah, sure. Yeah. Um... Look, uh, Sunday looks like a good day for us in the sense that um, Chiefs, Brumbies and um, who else we got on that day? Reds and Hurricanes. So I think they're games that we could, you know, potentially, you know, do all right in. Uh, Litmus test, look, I'd, uh, you know, maybe. (laughs) I think, um, unfortunately, we probably know where we are at the moment. Uh, We know where a lot of the teams are um, and, and it's not where we'd like them to be. That being said, I think, you know, usually we have about, Two teams that can compete quite well. And I think it, it might come down that Sunday. Because um, at this stage, probably looks like the Reds and um, and the Brumbies are our kind of early favourites in Australian rugby. I think the
0: Waratahs, with Darren Coleman and the uncertainty surrounding his future as well, it's it's important that they stand up and show what they're counted for. Ned Hannigan, whether or not he's back in time, we'll, we'll see. Mm. But there's enough in that forward pack for the Waratahs. You know, they should be. Angus Bell, there uh, we know that Fergus Lee Warner and Miles Zero, they made their debuts, probably didn't quite have the impact that they wanted, but mm. there should be enough in that side, particularly with their back back three, their, their back line, that mm. they're firing a few more shots. Uh, you yeah, with well, the Crusaders,
1: are going to be difficult,
0: but yeah,
1: and uh, well, they beat the Crusaders a couple of years ago, didn't they? Um, yeah, they did at Leichhardt, yeah, that's right. So uh, they've got yeah, I think they've definitely got the players and I think it's it's pretty exciting as well that we talk about like a prop as 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 one of the exciting guys because it's not usually someone something that we have in Australian rugby but he he's been exceptional Billy he's been um yeah, he's de- he's been developed so well, he's such an athlete. So I think yeah, you're right up front. I think they have a um they can compete. Yeah, I don't know, just m- maybe that first game was wasn't as um as polished or as it didn't show enough you know, as you'd like, but we would always want the Waratahs to do well for Australian rugby. Yeah, and, and then, look, the Rebels. We know the Rebels have got. Um, uh, maybe maybe the Rebels and, and the Waratahs, it's kind of good not having speaking about them too much because maybe they, they, you know, they can go under the radar a little bit. But we know there's a lot of hope there and there's a lot of promise there. There's good coaches, good players. So... Um, maybe going under the radar will be beneficial for them.
0: One other thing that came to our attention on, on Friday night was was the, uh, the mouth guards that just kind mm. of popped up and concussion. It's an interesting kind of subject, but that's all going to come to a head as well. And those sorts of things you would imagine would be discussed on later this week when the respective super rugby boards, uh, the Rugby Australia and the New Zealand Rugby Board, they have crunch meetings around. Not only does what's the future look like for the competition, but things mm. like concussion and how they deal with uh, various subject matter like that.
1: Yeah, look, uh, you know, for anyone who watched the Chiefs game, I think there were two two players taken off in the in the first game um, because the yeah. the reading yeah crossed the threshold, um, and they've been using it in Six Nations, and apparently there was only one or two in 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 what three three rounds of Six Nations, so it was. Um, yeah it's pretty controversial. I think one thing that that became quite obvious for me is that um post match Scott Barrett was criticizing it. you know the commentators criticizing it so the implementation of 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 the mouth guard and, and why why it's been implemented it clearly hasn't been explained well to players or to coaches. I don't know about you if you if you had to google. What was going on? Because uh, I didn't know. Yeah, well, it
0: certainly didn't look like Anton Leonard Brown had any idea what was going mm. on towards the uh, the back end of that game in a crunch moment when he gets when he gets dragged. It could have had something to do with a, a blue chip malfunction there. But I agree with your point around the fact that the commentators uh, that they, they very much need to be informed around, you know, wh- what are you doing this for and what's mm. the purpose behind it so that they can inform the audience so that it doesn't look like everyone's confused and looking around like headless chickens?
1: Yeah, uh, look, when it happened, I started, um, you know, speaking and I, I spoke to guys over at Progressive Rugby and they were saying that because um, my, my question was, well, you know, there must be a different threshold for every player. Does Nick, Nick White is he going to have the same threshold as Taniella Tupo? I don't know. Um, hmm. The 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 argument put by Progress Rugby was that um, often when you get a hit to the head, you might not be symptomatic and it might come later and when you become and, – and and in that period of time, it is a very, very high-risk um, moment to figure that second hit syndrome. So that was really interesting to me because I'm like, okay, well, if he's not looking like he's concussed, how can you tell if he is or not? And there's, they're saying, no, there's a body of research kind of – showing that you could get like a sub-concussive knock um, that Mm. then isn't treated and you're actually at much more higher risk. And for me, great, good science tick. We're taking care of all that, but we haven't implemented it well. Like we, I think the Reds players were complaining that they had to try these mouthguards on three days before the first game. You know, commentators haven't been told about it. You, you, you didn't know about it. I didn't know about it. So it might be good science, but it's probably a lesson in PR that we we haven't sold this enough to people. And and, and you know, telling Anton that around this is why you are coming off is because we're we're gathering more data as well for future to make the game safer as well. But also, there is a very big risk here of you getting a second knock, and so. Um, I think once you explain that, it, it alleviates a, some of the anxieties. Um, but for me, it, it just sounds like it's another thing that hasn't been done correctly, despite it having, you know, a, a good. You know, we, we probably agree it's a good thing. Smiling
0: uh, lesson in PR. It, it seems like Super <laughs> is not necessarily always nailed. Nailed that in the we, implementation. We fired
1: the mar- we fired the marketing pigeon, didn't we, last week? I very- <laughs> the tutor advocate, we're onto it. Uh, unfortunately, it's the second time in two years that that has occurred.
0: Redundancies at Rugby Australia. So uh, seven of those, in fact, uh, including, yeah, the head of marketing um, there, uh, as well as outgoing Anthony French. But, mm-hmm. look, a couple of other things around the traps. Uh, Sevens has just been taking place in Vancouver. We know that the, the women uh, bowed out in the semifinals, the 21-19 uh, defeat to France in the semi-final before losing to Canada during the bronze medal match. The men had a much tougher campaign. They struggled throughout the pool stage, didn't make mm. it to the finals. Michael Hooper should make his debut, though, next week.
1: Yeah, that'll be exciting. I think you saw Anton DuPont getting all the uh, praise and glory from his first competition in, in the sevens he's and He was pretty um, well, good. He was. He, well, he's a freak, isn't he? I think he's got to be... He's going to be up there with one of the best players to ever play the game. But So it doesn't matter what kind of hybrid game he's playing. He, yeah, he's, he's amazing. Um, so, yeah, and it'll be good to see Hoops, uh, see how much speed he's got left in those old legs. Um, so, yeah, <laughs> I'm, I'm super excited. He's a he's a champion, man. And, uh, yeah, I think if anyone can do it, he can.
0: So that's on next weekend. So do uh, watch that. Finally, Six Nations uh, third round there. And we saw... Mm. A couple of interesting results. Scotland breaking a huge uh, drought there at home against England to to win a a massive game, uh, the Calcutta Cup, uh, with Scotland for another year. Uh, But in addition to that, uh, we saw Ireland really shut out. Wales, comprehensive victory, not really a surprise there. Mm. The Irish still humming. And a a 13-0 draw between France and Italy
1: uh, to wrap it up. Yeah, indoor conditions. Uh, only in the Six Nations would there be a thirteen-all draw. Um, no, look, it, there was a bit of controversy at the end there as well. Uh, somehow the ball's fallen off the the kicking tee um, in, in indoor. So I don't know what's going on there. If they they turn the <laughs> the air blowers or the air conditioning the air on conditioning. From, the, from the south side, try to get it off, but. Um, yeah, bit, bit, bit of drama. Um, but yeah, oh, that, it's such a good competition, isn't it? And I think, um, seeing Scotland, seeing Finn Russell at the moment, he's very, um, Quade Cooper, two thousand eleven. Like anything he touches is just, you know, gold at the moment. He's he's just got that kind of Midas touch. So, um, yeah, there's a lot coming out of there.
0: Oh, he's got to be the most exciting ten to watch in world rugby, Finn Russell, and and he probably has been for a while, but he's he's maybe finding that consistency in his game.
1: Yeah, I think I uh, saw so him trolling the, the English on uh, Instagram or something, saying four in a row, and uh, I, I like that. It's um, yeah, I think we need a little bit more of that in entertainment and rugby, so it's it's always nice when someone beats the English, yeah.
0: Well, we like an underdog story. They'll always be the, the underdog Scotland. Mm. And look, heaps of underdogs this weekend, uh, particularly in Super Rugby and It'll be fascinating next week when we, we chat again to see how Australian rugby's fared. Thanks for coming on, Matt. Thanks. It's good to see you. And look, round one of Super Rugby, it's in the bank. We can check that off. Mm-hmm. Uh, but thank you for everyone for listening as well. And please make sure you rank, review, and, and shout out. Let us know what you're thinking, what you want to hear more of. So that's really important to us.
1: Thanks, Christy. Thanks, everyone.
0: Cheers. See you next week.